This is Extra Time. Good evening and welcome to River Radio. It's seven o'clock and time for the station's resident football show. Joining me tonight is our regular panel of Ben Green and Ed Tarleton. I'm Will Taylor, so let's kick off tonight's action. This week we talk some comfortable results for England alongside Harry Maguire being booed at Wembley as well as Gareth Bale's row with the Spanish press. We'll also keep you up to date with all the local info from our constituent clubs and of course our offside opinions. All that and more to come on this week's Extra Time. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Extra Time. It's great to be back once again as we get stuck into the biggest football stories to have emerged over the last week. It's a rare occasion where three, where three, three weeks on the spin I'm joined by Ed Tarleton and Ben Green as they are here tonight, ready as ever, to kick off tonight's show. We do of course want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So do remember to get in touch with the studio. You can tweet us using at River Radio Live or send an email to studio at River dot radio that's tweeting us at river radio live or an email to studio at river dot radio um gents it's been a busy one as, as it always is um sort of looking forward to tonight we're never too busy to check in though ed how are you my friend I'm, i've got a bit of a knee problem okay um, i i did i did have a kick around uh, uh, yes, last night which fine. is yeah which I mean. is uh, uh kind of i mean since we since you asked yeah. i assumed you wanted to tell the truth um i i did have a kick around last night and at my age that's all it can be and uh, at one point uh, honestly i was on fire last night oh, i was wow, on fire really? scored a lot of goals however at one point I did fall over and um, I've got like an enormous graze across all of my knees so prognosis I'll probably be out for about six months okay. I think um, yeah. at, at a push hopefully fit in time for, for World Cup yeah well, well, you, that's the dream we oh. will never write anything off mate that's the main thing precisely I haven't officially off. retired yeah. from international football did. yet I, I thought you had retired I thought you did before the Euros yeah didn't you yeah well, I'm thinking of making a comeback yeah like Skulls-esque sort of thing yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean then again based on, on, on the England performances over the last couple of days I don't think they need me yeah. to, to be fair but I'm always there to be yeah. to Ed be Bellingham to be, to be <laughs> ben, great, to, great for you to be here. Like I said, the trio, sort of, we're getting on a roll now, aren't we? It's, it's great for us all to be here. A rare week off for Wickham, mate. Um, it's, that's that sort of calmed the heart rate a little bit, sort of on average, do you think? Yeah, it's calmed my heart rate. Oh, well, I would say, I was impressed Ed's heart rate wasn't high as he was just frantically sprinting back to his chair. We had a bit of an issue outside the studio. Um, but you didn't seem to have a lack of breath. I was pretty impressed, to be fair. Oh, but... I would have been puffing. Yeah. There, I, <laughs> I can't be honest. I can't be honest. Um, Ed, obviously, a busy week for you. Um, sort of, do, you do a little bit of Wembley and sort of the radio commentary thing, don't you? So, I mean, how, how was that? Is that is it an enjoyable experience as always going back there for for the friendlies? I have to say, actually, you know what? It's been great doing England over the last couple of years. And, and look, there's no real surprise to say that since England have been successful, all the way going back to the World Cup in 2018, the attendances have, have really picked up. And I mean, I think the figure that I heard uh, with the people I was working with, something like 58% of those who had tickets for the game against Switzerland on, I think, Saturday Um were new were new people were wow, new people who've not amazing. been to, to Wembley before so it really has kind of the performances have inspired people to come down and stuff like that and the atmospheres are fantastic now obviously one thing that has that has been picked up by the press pretty 
pretty heavily in the last you know 24 hours has been what happened with Harry Maguire and we'll, we'll get on to that but by and large the reception that England players get and the atmospheres that, that England games are creating makes them a real real pleasure to be at and that's something that I don't think previously you could necessarily have, have said all of the time you know there were times where England were getting you know sort of 70,000 plus but most of the time now you're talking 80, 85,000 by default and that is born of everybody re-engaging I think with this England team how well they've been performing but also I think people are kind of reeling the kind of reaping the benefit really of, of the England camp actually having a more positive attitude towards the media and vice versa they've really tried to open those doors up and, and bring the media in and actually at tournaments and stuff there's a lot of you know there was the the dark you know, the, the darts tournament yeah. for example all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah. I know and I think actually you're starting to see there's a lot of factors that you don't see that go into getting people to come down to an England game and, and as someone who's been doing you know Wembley for about six seven years I can categorically tell you the attendances have, have been growing exponentially mm. not just with performances but but other things as well yeah and I, I think we've come a long way since booing the players off the pitch where Wayne Rooney had a furious rant into the camera didn't he famously as I recall well. yeah Algeria wasn't yes, it I think it was yeah being nil, booed nil, by nil, nil fans <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines um, as I mentioned though it is a busy show we have plenty in store this evening so let's crack on and we'll start as we mentioned with a busy week for England as they face two Two friendlies in quick succession at Wembley over the last week, coming from behind to beat Switzerland 2-1 on Saturday and coasting past the Ivory Coast in a game last night that saw a bizarre sending off as well. That means that means now, since the start of 2021, Gareth Southgate hasn't lost a single game in 90 minutes and remains one of the most successful managers in international football. I'll come to you first, Ben. They sort of seem like routine wins, don't they? But do you think that sort of um, shows just how far we've come watching England that, that they were the games we'd sort of trip up on beforehand and now they really are sort of comfortable yeah I mean I'm, I'm sure Ed will be able to summarise better than me I actually didn't see the game last night oh. uh, incredibly unpatriotic I was yeah. watching the Portugal North Macedonia game he but rocks, up, rocks up for the World yeah. Cup in the Euros <laughs> yeah but no I, I agree though in terms of a friendly sometimes it can be one of those games that the, the game drags and Ooh. there's not necessarily many shots in the game and the crowd get bored and you can see almost the players look bored um, but what I did see yesterday and from the highlights I've seen um, you know the goals were good we we done what we had to do uh, the Switzerland game impressed me as well when we came from a goal behind and you felt god this could be a this could be a bad day at the office losing <laughs> yeah. to Switzerland um, but no I, I think it does show where England coming up what's also important to remember is the starting lineup so there was, a, there was a lot of youth in there mm. and so that's showing now that there's there's such a strength in depth in all areas of the squad you know people like Tariq Mitchell coming in who you know probably where's he down the pecking order yeah. four yeah. or five so I think it's just highlighted the strength in depth these last two games so someone of the, someone that's not Trent Alexander-Arnold or Reese James playing exactly. a right back yeah. is something I'd, I probably never thought I'd see I mean, they, they were extremely professional performances though weren't they Ed and that that is what we've been lacking I think they were. They really were. They went and got the job done. And it's easy when international football kind of rolls around because let's be totally honest. And, and look, friendlies are friendlies. And mm. I think every form of international football suffers in comparison to tournament international football yeah. because it's never as good. I've been at games where it's routine, you know, wins against Montenegro at home and, and we score a few goals and, and what have you. But we all really know that we're just waiting for the tournament atmosphere to roll around and you can't recreate that. But I certainly think over the last couple of games, you saw what the real benefit of qualifying for a tournament and then having friendlies to play together really was. I mean, we saw debuts for Tyrick Mitchell, debut for Mark Gurhey, debut for Kyle Walker-Peters. Gets the Palace you know, boys in straight away. Yeah. 
Absolutely, yeah. But all of those, <laughs> but all of those things are, for me are, are good things because, as Ben says, it, it kind of shows the strength in depth that we have. And I'm looking at the lineup for Ivory Coast last night. I mean, the front three is Maxwell Cornet, who at Burnley has torn up the Premier League. To Bro, be totally been honest, fantastic, He's been yeah. absolutely yeah. fantastic. Sebastian Allaire, who granted at West Ham couldn't really get a kick and, and never showed his, his best form, but uh, Ajax this has been top fire. Absolutely fire. incredible. And Nicola Pepe. So, I mean, that, let's be clear that that's a that's a decent front three. John Michel Seri behind Kessie as well. This was a this was a solid it's a strong team. team yeah. It's a strong team. You were going to get different things out of the Ivory Coast and, and, and Switzerland. And let's be clear, Switzerland are no mugs either. Switzerland won the group that saw Italy confined to having to to do <laughs> qualifiers. So gutted and are now and are now not going to be yeah. in a World Cup yeah. for, for what's going to be twelve. Going to be twelve years. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, there's no poor teams, like really poor teams generally at international level until you get really, really far down. Most teams are kind of coherent. And the reason the football is more disjointed is because players don't play together. You know, and, that, and I include England in that. You know, yeah. it's difficult to break down a, a team who may well be ranked, you know, 100th in the world because they're all decent football players. They're playing at international level and they'll do the basics right. And you're playing with people you don't play with week in, week out. So it makes things harder. But yeah, a really professional job. A lot of people got minutes in the legs. Few people got debuts. And let's not forget, there are a number of withdrawals, you know, across across the board for England as well. And a few players who you think might well make a tournament squad who currently aren't in good enough form to have made it into the into the friendly squad. You know, people like Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho. I'd be surprised if they were, you know, absolutely out of contention for being in the World Cup squad come December so you know there's still more strength to add to this but really professional job and particularly last night as well it was a, it was an excellent performance I, th- I think Marcus Rashford especially has a re- has a lot to prove before that World Cup in Qatar doesn't he because it's it's a situation where he's he's just completely sort of faded as this player we saw that had that had so much potential with the weight of expectation he's, he's certainly not not faring very well at Manchester United but sticking with sort of strikers and goal scorers obviously though Kane scored again against Switzerland from the penalty spot this time edging even closer to Wayne Rooney's record of 53 for England I mean it looks pretty certain he's going to get that doesn't it yeah I mean uh, people will never show Harry Kane the respect he deserves as an England striker until he's gone it was the same with Rooney at the time I remember it I remember people saying the same about Rooney oh he's rubbish he's never done it international stat padding stat padding penalties They'll say the same about Harry Kane, but the fact is Harry Kane has turned up for us at two major tournaments. Two golden boots. You know, I count Euro 2020 as him turning up, or 2021 as him turning up, because he scored a couple of really important goals in knockout games. Um, unfortunately for him, he's just not going to get that recognition, but he, there's no doubt he's going to break the record, and he'll probably smash it out the park, and it's going to be incredibly hard for someone to beat that record for a long time to come. It would, it would be, it would almost be, nothing could be a failure at this stage, obviously, but anything less than 60, you'd probably be looking at it and thinking, with, it, with the amount of years he's probably got left yeah. playing at the top level, would, would almost be, like I said, I don't think you can use the word failure, but, but maybe not as much of a success as he'd like. I mean, what, where does he rank for you? Obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll get into more of the friendlies shortly, but where does he rank for you in terms of English strikers? Because for me, I think he's pretty much as good as it gets. He's, he's certainly well up there. He's absolutely in the conversation. You have to remember, it's really difficult to compare like for like. Someone like Alan Shearer retired mm. from international mm. football well before he might have done. And that was to preserve yeah. his, his club career. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think Harry Kane ultimately will end up getting that respect he deserves, but it'll be respect in in retrospect, yeah. if you yeah. like, because I think he'll probably more, be more like 65, 70 goals. And he will have beaten people 
by a fair, fair distance. Yeah. And at that point, I think people will start to realise just how good he was. And you don't know what you've got till it's gone, mm. if you see what I mean. I mean, I think in, in terms of the, the the very best, you know, the Shearers, Michael Owen, I always thought was an exceptional England striker. Right. High school under the pressure. Was just, um, yeah. and, and, you know, Gary Lineker, you know, going back before that, there have been some supremely talented England strikers. And, and someone who doesn't get talked about because he didn't play the World Cup, you know, Jimmy Greaves was a phenomenal England yeah, yeah. striker, a phenomenal striker per se. But Harry Kane absolutely is in that conversation and will be in that conversation because he will get the record and I think he will beat it quite substantially um, and it, if you look at the cap to, to goal ratio as well you know I think he's going to do it quickest too. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so you know he'll definitely be be up there among them I, I think it's difficult because obviously I've worked in football so long now you lose your innocence in a way for me I still I still lust after you know Michael Owen playing up front for England because yeah. I, I thought he he was just the ultimate goal scorer you never felt he was going to miss in an England shirt um, but but look I think you know Harry Kane will will absolutely be up there he will break the record he's already broken Michael Owen's record Ooh. you know he's, he's gone past Gary Lineker now and what is it three goals to go to equal Rain Rooney Three or four I think it is yeah. I think he's, he's, say, he's, he's say not going to get, get four there. goals in the next what five years yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> going to happen things could go bad for Southgate you just <laughs> never know I certainly hope that's not the case but, uh, but it certainly could happen obviously back to the games and stuff then obviously when Kane got substituted he passed the armband on to Harry Maguire Harry Maguire was, was subject to, to quite a few uh, boos and unsavoury scenes really wasn't he um, it seems a bit far that really doesn't it for a player who, who is really suffering for, for his club but has only ever really done well for his country. Yeah, unfortunately, football fans can be fickle, can't they? And yeah, I, I, Harry Maguire has not been in good form. He's not been in good form for you know a couple of seasons for Manchester United, but that, you can put that down to a number of factors with Manchester United, you know, who has been in form at Manchester United. Um, England play a different way. They play to his strengths. And, and let's face it, he's never let England down, just like Jordan Pickford. You yeah, know, people all, every single time will say, oh, we've got Dean Henderson coming in or we've got Aaron Ramsdale coming in. At the end of the day, Jordan Pickford has never let us down. So, no, I, he shouldn't be getting booed. But I've you've seen over the years, like you said with Rooney, he got booed for a period of time. I remember Frank Lampard Ooh. getting booed at a couple of games when I was when I was a young lad. And John Barnes, who at one point was Ooh. the best player. John in the Barnes, world. yeah, it, it just happens. Unfortunately, you know, it's not right. But ultimately, f- fans turn up, even though they're England supporters, and they only think of what they've been doing for their club, not necessarily the performances in an England shirt. It's a lot of Man United fans that just would have been there, I guess, in adversity, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who would have been supporting England and their Manchester United allegiances sort of shone through, I guess. I mean, it's it's not any, you know, we're by no way sort of saying it's, it's anything acceptable, but it's, 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 more, it's more frustrating to see when so much has been built on making this team so together, hasn't it? That's that's what for me is really frustrating about it more than anything. Is so much is is in reinforced by Gareth Southgate and his team that this this squad is united and one, and that's that's the front. And they've given us a a sense of pride in our in our national team that we didn't have for quite a long time. So to be responded to like that isn't isn't really ideal, is it? I do kind of understand both sides of the argument because on the one hand, you know, the thing is you want fans to be able to express themselves, and you've got to take the rough with the smooth. And well, there are times when fans will express themselves and they'll be cheering you on and that is the majority of the time in an international shirt but but sometimes fans will show their displeasure and, and I've interpreted that displeasure more being at the sense that Harry Maguire has not been in form at club level and to be clear there are members of his club who've not been in form at club level who've not been called up the difference is of course 
as you so rightly say, Ben, that Harry Maguire has, has never let England down. In fact, he's been he's been fantastic for England. And in a sense, he's arguably a bit more suited to the international game, yeah. which is a little bit slower. Um, and, you know, and kind of plays maybe a little bit more to, to his strengths. But also you've got to remember, you know, in the cases of people like Rashford and, and Sancho, it's about what you have in the locker. Now, I put it to you that if we had the centre-back talent we had 20 years ago, where we had... Rio Ferdinand and Sol Campbell and Jonathan Woodgate and Ledley King and, and Jamie Carragher, you know, the, the final of those three couldn't get in the team. Um, <laughs> Harry Maguire would not have been near that England squad. Oh, no. But we don't put- have those players now. And actually, it's not particularly clear who is the leader at the back if Harry Maguire's not there. Because, you know, it's often been said that John Stones is a fantastic player, but perhaps not the one you want to be dictating the, the, the back four. Um, and you know people like Mark Gurr, he won his first won his first cap the other night. Ben White, you know, again been in and around the squad, but hasn't played many times. And as Gareth Southgate rightly said, you're not going to go and win tournaments with people who have who have only played a handful of times. You know, he's played at that level and he's done he's done well, which is why he's still in the team. And Gareth Southgate is picking people who have done well for him. Now, if there was a lot of competition as there was in the positions for, say, Rashford and Sancho, when you have got your Jack Grealish and your Phil Foden and your, and your Raheem Sterlings and your Harry Kane's and, and all this sort of stuff, then to be totally honest, yeah, you know, you're going to suffer by virtue of who is there in front of you. But um, I understand both sides of it. And I do think it's been maybe blown a little bit out of proportion by the England camp, to be honest. I don't think it needed to escalate in the way that it has done. But what we have seen is that unity amongst the squad, which is players from, I mean, Jordan Henderson was one of the first people to say, I mean, he's the captain of Liverpool, (laughs) Manchester's biggest rivals. And he's saying, I don't understand that, that's ridiculous. Jack Grealish, Declan Rice have all been really, really outspoken. And we are seeing that kind of togetherness and unity. And to be very clear, what we also saw was, you know, the majority of supporters trying to cheer Harry Maguire on in the face of him being booed but those boos were perhaps unanticipated and they were a bit unsavoury but you won't be surprised to hear that I kind of agreed with with Roy Keane last night which was maybe this has been kind of blown into a a bit more of a pantomime than it needed to be he played well at the end of the day just just win people around with your performances in an England shirt because you guarantee that if we get to a tournament or or wherever if Aaron Maguire scores a header then everyone's cheering Um, so yeah it it was unfortunate and I think sometimes people don't seem to realise that what you do at club level and at country level whilst they are related can also be two different things so you know sometimes you need to kind of accept that there are going to be players who perhaps at club level haven't necessarily done it in the way we would have liked them to but at country level they don't tend to let us down and those are really really valuable players to have in international tournaments yeah don't get me wrong I, I, we've all we've all been players in our time at, at club level I don't, I don't think there's any getting away from that I, I mean I certainly have done you I do was, it every week I said well yeah but when you watch fifth tier football yeah. that's a different story though but uh, but no, but I, I just sort of think there's ways and means sometimes of, of how that's managed and I think the, the way like like you mentioned when he it had nothing to do with the international national fixture in fact he hadn't actually played particularly badly I don't think for that that night so it, it just seemed a little bit like that's something that like like we mentioned that England have tried so hard to to differentiate between club football and, and international football that that halted the best group of players will ever have ultimately they've openly said themselves that that's what halted them that they couldn't step away from club football and see it as an international they were they were at war constantly essentially and and that's that's pretty much what's happened what's happened here but I, I 
I, I just sort of see it as a little bit of a thing. But like, don't get me wrong. I'm not. There's, there's the people boo, and that's what happens, and that that is football. But it, it, it's one of those, isn't it? Where I guess there's there's no real. Did, did you think it needed the response, Ben? Like I said, like did Harry Kane need to come out and make a statement? Really? No, not really. <laughs> I, I feel it, it's a common theme, isn't it? You'll see players come out. For example, I, I know Marcus Rashford's done it a couple of times where he's, he's put a, a massive paragraph about maybe a, a penalties missed or mm. a performance, and that creates a bigger thing than it really is. Ultimately. It comes down to this. England fans shouldn't forget how Harry Maguire made them feel at the 2018 World Cup, how we all loved him. We thought he was the greatest thing we'd ever seen. Mm. They shouldn't forget that. And at the same time, the players shouldn't let, you know, a few, even if it was a few thousand, a few thousand fans at Wembley who were booing Harry Maguire because they have got nothing better to do. They shouldn't let that affect them either. They should have just gone with the game, accepted that we won. A lot of the crowd cheered him. And ultimately, if you made it, if you made it less of an issue, we wouldn't be talking about it. And no. it probably wouldn't have, come this thing and Harry Maguire wouldn't do, even do, thought do, about do, it. Do so. you even see it as like foreign, so like fans of foreign countries maybe would look at that and see that there's a, a weakness to, to go for uh, in, in certain, not not just Harry Maguire, but to, to realise that these players are picking up on what crowds do. I'm not sure because you expect it from an away crowd, don't you? Or an opposition crowd. Yeah, okay, it's necessarily enough. a home crowd when it's a friendly game and you're expecting quite a, a nice atmosphere. I know you and me don't have a very good opinion about friendly atmospheres no. of, <laughs> yeah. you know, air, paper airplane planes and Mexican <laughs> waves but ultimately you know you maybe wouldn't expect that from a, an England crowd last night so I think maybe it was the the unexpected nature of the response that's probably taken them aback but I, you know I don't know what you think Ed but I, I think it was a slight overreaction. I think we have to be realistic as well and and the truth is first and foremost that if Harry Kane doesn't come out and, and express his sort of disagreement with what's happened after Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice and Jack Grealish has then the story yeah. becomes that Harry Kane didn't do that. Doesn't and, back Maguire, You know yeah. and the way that people jump on that is is then assumptions start to get made and stories start to get created out of thin air. I think perhaps if they were going to do it, then arguably it might have been best to, to issue a statement on behalf of the England squad, for example. Mm. And I certainly remember this happening in cricket. The Ashes series we won in 2005, I remember the wicketkeeper, for the life of me, I can't remember his name at the moment, was getting absolutely battered after the first couple of tests. And what Geraint England Jones. did... Geraint Jones, exactly that. And I remember... Very good. Very good. <laughs> very impressed. But I remember after that, you know, I think Michael Vaughan, who was captain at the time, was asked in a press conference, you know, there seems to be some doubts over Geraint Jones. You know, what, what have you got to say about that? And he just looked at the reporter and went, well, well not among us there isn't. And that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was a very, very short answer. I understand Gareth Southgate's reaction because I do think, first and foremost, he recognises that Harry Maguire probably needs all the confidence he can get and being booed at home isn't necessarily going to give him that. But equally, he's worked very, very hard to create this this culture whereby England teams stick together and we are open. And, and you know, obviously he feels like that's been compromised a little bit. So I do I do understand it. But um, ultimately, I think, you know, performances will, will win through. And the way in which, look, the ends will justify the means in as much as the way in which it has been condemned and that is how the story has gone people will move on just as they moved on from Harry Maguire when he did score for England recently cupping his hands to his ears as yeah. if to say everyone's you know slagging me off there you are <laughs> and, and Roy Keane sat there saying well if, if you've seen the team he's just scored against it, you haven't answered all your critics with that goal people will move on and get over it and that is what will happen um, but yeah I think it's become a story where maybe maybe it didn't need to but ultimately look England won both of their friendly games and, and that's really what matters it was a winning start to what 
is going to be a World Cup year and, and the World Cup qualification process has been secured but the preparation process starts now. It absolutely does. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, we, we, we sort of touched on this last week about this this Winter World Cup. It's going to be very a very bizarre atmosphere, isn't it? Sort of throwing hot chocolate around the pub instead of beer. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> you know, sipping Bovril instead. I, I don't know what I don't know what people do in the winter, really. But um, but it's 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 going to be a really interesting scenario. First and foremost, I'll just ask you both straight on the nose. How how do you see England's chances? I think it'll be the, one of the most compromising things for England will be the conditions. Invariably, I think the conditions will naturally suit those teams from, say, South America more so than they will will suit England. But the way that England have been playing, the way that England have played at major tournaments recently, you would have to give us a fair and legitimate chance. But there is always an expectation versus reality uh, sort of dynamic that you have to, to take into account with any good teams at international tournaments. And we've seen we've seen before, you know, Germany and, and what have you, where, where teams have kind of fallen away. But listen, quietly one will have, you know, my fingers crossed. But at the same time, you know, you've got to... You ought to do it when you're there. Um, but yeah, quietly confident that, that we can go and, and make an impression. Well, <laughs> I'm very torn because... The good thing is England have been progressing the last two tournaments. We got to a semi-final, then a final. So your heart would say, well, we're going to win the next major tournament. We even had a third place in between. In the we League, we did. We, so. The problem is the, the next stage is the hardest thing. <laughs> you know, to actually win the tournament is yeah. a completely different thing. And we can sit here and say, oh, but we got to, we got to the final of the Euros and we were so close to winning. Ultimately, both of those tournaments were perfect storms for us. Let, let's be real about it yeah, you know the yeah. world cup in 2018 we had a very good run you know the euros having games at home and sort of the, it was a very different tournament wasn't it i just think england fans shouldn't get their hopes up too much they should stay grounded and realistic and think okay this england team should be getting into the latter stages but if they don't necessarily win the thing they shouldn't be we shouldn't be turning around saying oh Southgate you know he's never been good enough or the players aren't good enough or i don't think i think that'd be a slight overreaction if we don't win let, let me put this to you. Is this a first real proper test of, of like grit for this England team? Because there was no expectation going into Russia. We could have gone out in the round of 16 in Russia and everyone gone, fair enough, it was Southgate's first tournament. A lot of home games for the, for the, in, the, in the European Championships this summer that, were, that, was, that was delayed and, and put back and so much was going on around that. I know this is a this is a winter World Cup, so you could even argue this might not be in itself. But is this actually the first? It's a it's a tournament away from home that players will have to acclimatise and get ready for. Is this a proper gritty test of what England are about? I think what you will see uh, if we are to get further into the latter stages, England will have benefited from those learning curves. Yeah. Um, you know, of of going through the, the the phase where there wasn't much expectation, of then going through the phase where there's a lot of expectation, and most of the most of the games are are at home, which brings its own pressure. Yeah. Let's not forget. Yeah, yeah. You know, because games have been lost at, at, at home in that tournament. We saw Scotland lose lose at home, lose their first game in a major tournament for about twenty years. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes pressure gets to players. And I thought they handled that pressure quite quite well. But um, ultimately, if England are to be successful in this tournament, I think to some extent those experiences will underpin that success. But yeah, it is a it is a uh, another natural development upon that upward upward curve, and and it will be interesting to see how the players are able to adapt to it. To be totally honest with you, it, it is probably the biggest ask thus far, and it'll be very interesting to see how how they respond. And don't you think ultimately it comes down to what the draw's like for us? You know, how tough the group is, what teams we face in the knockout stages. 
Because I'll, if, if we were to get, say, a Brazil, then a Spain, then a France or a Germany, that's a tough run. And you can't just... Ultimately, those games are 50-50 games. So... <laughs> the Italy we, one was encapsulated that, didn't it? Exactly. You know, you know any, we can beat any team on our day, but we can also get beaten by any good team on our day. So really, I'm not sure... It's a bigger test. It's just a case of you're going to have to have the luck on the way. Maybe a team doesn't turn up. Not necessarily. Not actually turn up. But a team, you know. <laughs> that like, happened at a world. Yeah. <laughs> France almost went over one, didn't it? <laughs> but, you know, you'll have a team that necessarily missing a couple of players and we get them and we, you know. I think it's going to come down to luck with the draw and, and whether we can build this sort of momentum as the tournament goes on like we have done at the previous two tournaments. Okay, so it's, it's the 30th of March today. Right, so we've got basically about sort of seven or eight months, eight, eight and a half months till the tournament actually begins. Um, I'm going to clip these up, so remember your wow. answers. Are England going to win the World Cup in guitar? No. Okay, wow. All right, that's ruined the show a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> Whereas sort of last half hour's a bit pointless. Now, it would have been a yes till I knew you were recording yeah. it. <laughs> but, I'm going to say, for the sake of a good clip, England will win the World Cup final 2-1 against France. Wow. Goodness me. <laughs> Save that clip right yeah. now. <laughs> Save that clip. <laughs> Remember when we go France in the round of 16, it would just be completely on his knees, won't he? But I, I thought I'd ask a question. Look, I'm going to stick my neck out on the line as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just stunned trying to sit you two up. I think we will win the World Cup this year. I you know really what? genuinely Honestly, do. I hope you two and Meza Ozil are, are right <laughs> and that we will. I, I, I think, listen, I think there's a very good chance that we will do well. I think winning it might well be, might well be beyond us. A, a step too far, a step too far. Well, it's certainly a nice, an exciting prospect, isn't it, as England going into World Cup this winter, which still seems very strange to say. That will be without European champions Italy as well. And I'll try to wipe the smile off my face before the end of the show. We'll be chatting a little bit through another one of the home stations next. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. You're listening to Extra Time on River Radio. Myself, Will Taylor, Ed Tarleton and Ben Green. If you want to get in touch or have your say about anything we've spoke about so far to do with England, any other constituent clubs or, or any other topics we do talk about, you can send us an email at studio at river.radio or tweet us at River Radio Live. We really would love to hear from you. Anyway, another one of the home nations are continuing their campaign through uh, and through the through to the World Cup and now face a playoff against Poland for a place at the World Cup. Um, that, in, that, of course, is Wales. Uh, Gareth Bale obviously starred for them as they went through a couple of days ago and Spanish journalists have branded Bale a Welsh parasite uh, in relation to what he's doing around uh, around everything at Real Madrid. He did, as I mentioned, silence them in spectacular fashion by scoring twice um, and, and put the Welsh through to the next round. I mean, obviously the phrasing, that's despicable phrasing from any... any Welsh new, parasite. Any Welsh parasite. Any, the Welsh isn't necessary, really, which, which sort of winds me up most. But, uh, but regardless, I mean, it's... It's without condoning the phrase. It do, do you sort of see? It, it, do you see the, the anger from the Spanish media and that side of things? No, not really. No, Gareth Bale is on a contract. It's not his fault that Real Madrid gave him a, a stupendous con- contract about what was it six hundred grand Something a week? Along those you know, lines, isn't it? for a player that clearly is out of favour. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it is his fault. At the end of the day, 
I've been maybe a little bit disappointed with with Gareth not necessarily wanting to, you know, progress his career, go somewhere else, and because he's got such incredible talent, and he's he's he wasted his last. He, few he was career. meant to be the heir to Ronaldo's yeah, talent, and, and he's he? he's wasted his last few years, and ultimately he's out of his physical prime now. He can still turn back the clock, but he's not going to do it on a consistent basis. So I was a bit disappointed for him that he's not taking that step. But ultimately, you can understand why he's doing it. He's getting paid to sit on the bench. And play still golf. and play golf <laughs> yeah. and still play for his country. Yeah. If anything, they should be putting the blame at the directors and the people in charge at Real Madrid for for giving him that contract. I mean, Ed, I'm sure you, you probably echo that statement. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, that the wording that was used in in the Spanish press was was horrendous. You cool. don't brand a sportsman a parasite anyone really it is just don't get me wrong I understand that there is considerable anger towards the perception that I mean I'd be interested to know what they would have liked Gareth Bale to have done to be honest in terms of because he turned up he signed his contract I saw some statistics the other day you know he's got more goals for, for Real Madrid than, than Ronaldo I think um, and I, you know it was a staggering set of, of statistics you know it was something like more assists than Figo more goals than Ronaldo you know and this that and the other if you look at what he's won there is and that, what is he's that Brazilian Ronaldo? Oh, Brazilian, not, yeah. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. going to say yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable um, and ultimately if he's not being picked what, what, do, you, what do you want him to do I guess, look, it's a strange one, and and I need to be immersed in La Liga to perhaps understand the full, um, the full amount of, uh, shall we say, the the acrimony that there appears to be, that the sort of broken relationship there is, and has been for some time between certainly Bale and the and the Spanish media, because there is this perception that he is in some way sort of duping Real Madrid, who let's face it, put the contract in front of him. So, <laughs> to be totally honest with you, I think the club have got to take some sort of responsibility for that. You know, that's that that's the nature of the game <laughs> at the same time I mean certainly there are there are instances in which you would say that you know if Gareth Bale wanted to go and, and play football as it were uh, and simply wanted to maximise his career that's the sort of thing I think that people aren't maybe seeing in the way that they would like to because he's not playing very much at Real Madrid and he is a supremely talented player and I think people would have liked to have seen him force a way through to, to go and you know maximise his potential and, and if you like go and prove Real Madrid wrong but really that's his prerogative mm. at the end of the day he's mm. the most successful British export player of all time that's, that's exactly what I was going to say though is, is that if, do, you, do you think that's because he's won everything there is to win, to win essentially maybe it's a caveat as well if he knows that his body can't keep up for a full season mm. and he knows that okay I'm quite happy he got knocks at Spurs, didn't he? Yeah, but he, he, he's probably thinking, I'm quite happy turning up for Wales, playing a tournament, doing my country Still proud. Still a hero, yeah. yeah don't, I don't have to play every week for eight months, you know, twice a week. I mean, it, it's, it's day, a very it's... unique situation as well. I don't, I, don't think there's a, I don't think you'd ever get a player who played for England, however good they were, that couldn't play for a club for eight months and would no. slide in as captain no, of, the, no. of the international team, could you? So that that in itself is quite a strange scenario. They're, they are historically tough in the press over there, aren't they? I think Lamarsa specifically, just at Absolute, you know, it's, it's not a pay. If you if you see yourself on the front page, it's probably bad news in terms of the Barcelona order, but all the back page as well. Um, but why aren't they putting this stick on Real Madrid? There seems to be this refusal to to hold the the people accountable in this Gareth Bale saga that actually are accountable. I mean, as someone who's worked in the media for some time, you never totally know what relationships people who write mm. those sort of articles are 
trying to preserve uh, <laughs> to be totally <laughs> honest yeah, and it's yeah. a case well if you criticise the wrong person are you then denied access you know yeah. what's it realistically going to be with Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United your career answer, you know yeah. so so uh, listen I, I, that may be that may be a reason it may not be but it is one perhaps explanation as to why Real Madrid are getting off with this quite lightly considering as I say they put the contract in front of Gareth Bale and I remember years ago when Gareth Bale moved from Spurs a lot of people in the media were criticising the fee and sort of laying that on Gareth Bale as if Gareth Bale had somehow <laughs> dictated his own transfer fee well that's not how it works so I always found that kind of baffling and look at the end of the day I think Gareth Bale suffered a little bit by virtue of the fact he simply wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo and he was never going to be Cristiano Ronaldo but what he was was a phenomenally talented player and you know we saw it we did see you know Champions League final against Liverpool scored the bicycle kick you know you look at everything there is to win some of the things he's done what he's won he's a he's been a fantastic player I would have liked to maybe have seen, uh, you know, him reach the potential. I think we we all felt he could have done, but that doesn't happen to be the way that things panned out. But no. he's certainly not had a bad career, and I think it's very unfortunate for him that the the relationship that he's had, as I say, with the Spanish press and 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 at Real Madrid in general hasn't perhaps been as harmonious as it might have been because it would have been fantastic for both club and and player. But obviously, what he does for Wales, you see his class at international level that he can still do that. The free kick that he bent in was was you know. You don't get better top bins than that free kick. It's not, it's literally not physically possible to do so. And listen, you know, I mean, there is suggestions now that he might well retire after uh, after the World Cup, potentially, if, if, you know, if he kind of goes there with Wales and that kind of thing. So, you know, if that's to be the case, then, you know, you'd still say people will look back and think of that, what a glittering career. And, and not only that, as I say, the most successful British export player mm. of all time and I don't think he gets the respect he deserves no I, no I agree just to play the devil's advocate not that it's anything I do believe because like I said this this is this wording especially I, I want to preface it by saying that the wording and everything in the article is is just completely despicable but that there there would be an argument that he hasn't necessarily helped himself with it with things like the sleeping on the bench with the mask over the eyes the Wales golf Madrid in that order flag that he very proudly held up <laughs> not that he can, deserves any of this because I don't think there's a huge being on the planet that deserves quite quite the deep use he's gotten but did it can you sort of see why they're why the responses are so harsh in res, in to him doing things like this well it's funny you mentioned the golf because he, he's probably the only professional footballer that will go straight into another professional sport <laughs> yeah. it'll become a golf golf he's probably he's, he's really good though. yeah That's he's very he's very good um he trains with a lot of pros actually from what i've seen <laughs> um but no I, Gareth probably is, you know, he's got that British humour, hasn't he? <laughs> that maybe that necessarily doesn't wash over there in the same way. It's sort of the ironic thing. And um, I the just... The flag, though, specific. Yeah. I mean, I the just, thing was, let's don't be you clear, he didn't hold up the flag. The flag was held up with him there and he didn't suddenly turn around and say, guys, please stop doing that. I mean, he was um, in the middle of the flag. But he, was in, fairness, the, he was in the middle of it and I think he kind of saw it for what it was, which was a bit of banter from his teammates. Exactly. And, and obviously, yeah. you know... No, no, no that's, that was that's, never going to be... That's certainly how we all see yeah, no, but absolutely. But listen, I can remember Gary Neville going over to Valencia and using the English phrase, you know, um, uh, you know, I'll sleep well tonight or something along those lines. <laughs> and then when I think they lost 7-0 at Real Madrid, you know, a journalist then turned around and went, oh, well, will you sleep well tonight? And he kind of, he sort of sighed and was like, oh, right. That's an English phrase. It means the team played well. Since you ask, no, I won't. But, you know, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do here. And, and look, I 
I understand that wasn't a good performance. Don't try and rub that in my face yeah. because I said something off the cuff that is a very well-known phrase in England that maybe over here doesn't have the same... Lost in know, translation. Exactly sort of thing, that. Yeah. So I, I think there are one or two things where you would sit there if you were advising Gareth Bale and you'd be like, look, don't get seen doing that. You know, it's not going to it's not gonna help you here. But at the same time, at the end of the day, Gareth Bale's flag, doing, doing all that he can do realistically in training and that sort of thing. It's down to Real Madrid to pick him. And listen, you know, there have been other players who have been out in the cold and have, and have kind of managed to turn things around. Ask Dembele yeah. for example at Barcelona yeah, happens to be one of those it just so happens that for whatever reason you know Gareth Bale's relationship with Real Madrid and and their various managers in the time he's been there that's the odd thing for me though isn't it because I thought it was just Zidane but Ancelotti seems to have this problem as well but, but don't you think ultimately Bale probably doesn't care the fact <laughs> he's done the flag thing the fact he, he sat on the bench with his eyes he doesn't care if he really cared about it he wouldn't be doing these things he'd be trying everything he could to get back in the start in 11 mm. but I, I see it as he he doesn't mind the flack because he's still getting paid six hundred grand a week. So it's a brilliant flag as well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Ultimately, he probably doesn't mind. Yeah, Wales know? Golf Madrid in that order. It says, yeah, I, I don't think his heart. He doesn't have any feeling in his heart at Real Madrid, does he? he which is which, but that's crazy for the amount of time he's spent there. But I suppose the way he's been treated, you wouldn't, would you? And I suppose that's that's ultimately what it boils down to. Yeah, you know, he came through Southampton's ranks. They probably still mean a lot to him. The love and adoration he got at Spurs. Obviously, he went back there last season for a year. It was a real shame that the fans weren't there. By the way, to, to see him, mm. I think he would have you know made a massive difference if the fans were there and um, ultimately I think he's got three loves in football doesn't he Wales Tottenham and Southampton and he probably doesn't really care too much for Real Madrid but he's won everything there is to win there so you know I'm, I'm sure it doesn't really worry, worry him too much no, I'm, I'm sure you're probably well, 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 well whether or not we will see Gareth Bale and Real Madrid shirt again or Wales at the World Cup in Qatar remains to be seen and what will surely be an incredible saga to watch unfold even further moving on to a less than busy less busy week for our constituent clubs now though as we talk Reading and the Valley Rap. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. You're listening to Extra Time on River Radio. Myself, Will Taylor, Ed Tolson and Ben Green. And now it's time to turn our attention to our constituent clubs... Excuse me, sorry. Who are largely out of action? I'm so excited to talk about them. You see, who are largely out of action this week? Uh, Ed, you of course have the latest in the Valley Rap. So, uh, without further ado, well, I mean, there's a huge game in the offing for Reading, who could see their season defined by their next contest. Their win at Blackburn took them to five points clear of the final relegation place in the Championship, which Barnsley currently occupy, and it's them that Paul Ince's team will face this weekend. A win would extend the gap to eight points, which whilst not enough to secure safety mathematically would certainly go a long way towards ensuring the club remain in the second tier beyond this season. Indeed, Reading would then need to lose every remaining match of the campaign, with Barnsley winning at least three of their last seven to go above the Royals on points. That said, it won't be an easy task. The home side have picked up in their last six games, a run which has included a win over Middlesbrough and a draw with tabletoppers Fulham. So they're not to be underestimated, and that should make for a cracking game at Oakwell. As for the women's side, they were held to a 1-1 draw at Aston Villa in the WSL last weekend. The Royals took the lead just before the 17th 
20-minute mark when Justine Van Havermey converted a penalty. But it didn't last as Ramona Petzelberger headed the home side level just eight minutes from time. The result ended a wretched run for Villa, but it leaves Kelly Chambers' side eighth in the WSL table and winless in their last six league games. They do remain in touch with the mid-table spots, with fifth place Spurs only three points above them. But the Berkshire side now face a visit to league leaders Chelsea, who demolished Leicester City 9-0 on Sunday. Elsewhere, Wick and Ben, as you know, gearing up for a return to action, which will see them host Doncaster. It's a must-win for the chairboys, really. They remain in the hunt for a playoff place, but now need those above them to drop points if they're to finish the campaign in the top six. Their opponents for this game, meanwhile, are 23rd in the league. They haven't won for over a month, but they can still secure survival with six games left to play. So Gareth Ainsworth's side can take nothing for granted in that game at Adams Park on Saturday. And finally, Maidenhead in the National League. They went down 2-1 at home to Barnet last Saturday. Both sides hit the woodwork in a goalless first half before the visitors took the lead when Adam Marriott slotted past goalkeeper Harry Palmer. They doubled the advantage a quarter of an hour later when Reese Grego Cox netted from close range. Alan Demchie's men did claw back the consolation goal through Sean Mikulski a minute from time, but Barnet held on to complete a league double over their host. The loss leaves the Magpies 18th in the table, 14 points clear of the relegation zone. They'll travel to fifth place Solihull Moors on Saturday. That's the Valley Wrap. I'm Ed Salton. Wow, that was absolutely <laughs> great stuff. That is, the like pronunciation in, for Reddit women, that was absolutely brilliant. Like that was all in one breath. Yeah. Some, some incredible names in that yeah, Reddit yeah. women bit, by the way. They really were. That was, that's incredible. Yeah, they're written out phonetically, I won't lie. <laughs> there are a couple there. Because I think genuinely, as a, as a journalist in, in football, I, I, you want to get people's names of right. Of course, yeah. And honestly, yeah. when I was working with, with Wickham quite recently, I, I used to say that I didn't... The thing that annoyed me more about getting the pronunciation of someone's name wrong wasn't that there might be 5,000 people there or more. It was doing it in front of the person whose name it was. That was <laughs> yeah. the thing that really got under my skin. I wanted to get those things right. So yes, they were written out phonetically <laughs> to make sure that I didn't make... Uh, any kind that of gaps live very, on air. But that said, <laughs> some really good talking points in there as well, 100%. starting first and foremost with, with Reading. An absolutely massive game against Barnsley and the stakes are so, so high because that gap can be either eight points or alternatively two points depending on which way it goes. I think. Do you, do you think it's the... If you looked in the dictionary definition for six-pointer, it would just show this fixture. Because <laughs> that's essentially what it is, isn't it? It is it's such, such a big game that is literally going to define the season of, of the winner. Oh, it's absolutely huge I know we spoke about this a week ago or two weeks ago we said you know that game is going to decide the season and it's, it still it's is upon us. Yeah. it is upon us I'm nervous for it and I'm not even a Barnsley or you know I'm not a fan and it, yeah it's going to be an incredible watch I think the atmosphere is going to be electric and like I said before I think whoever wins that game really does stay up I really do feel does they the get the momentum do anything for either? It just keeps them in the same position, doesn't it? I think it's obviously better for, for Reading if that happens. Um, obviously, Paul will probably take a point <laughs> over a defeat. I just think, yeah, momentum-wise, it's huge for Reading. If they can get that win, I think there's enough enough between them and Barnsley from now to the end of the season they can get the win to stay up. I mean, the respective fixtures, sorry, for those remaining. So after the Barnsley-Reading game, Barnsley faced Millwall away, then Swansea away. They then got Peterborough at home wow. now Peterborough obviously are a club who look absolutely doomed in that league a very They're poor side <laughs> fair play it's taken me 45 minutes this week <laughs> 
They're at home to Blackpool. They're at home to Preston, and they end the season away at West Brom. So that Peterborough game we won, they'll be looking at and thinking they can get three points from. But as I say, they took a point from Fulham, who've been runaway leaders in the championship this year. They took points from all three points from Middlesbrough, who were chasing the uh, the playoffs. So you know they're clearly a capable side. That said, you would have said after the the result at Nottingham Forest where Reading got beaten 4-0 that that really you know games against Bournemouth and, and Blackburn Rovers were the last thing you wanted they took four points from those yeah. pictures Reading will play Stoke City at home then Cardiff City at home after the Barnsley game they'll be away at Sheffield United at home to Swansea away to Hull City home to West Brom and Chalbion and away to Luton Town as well so neither run in is exactly what you'd want in the position that they're in but um, there's, there's no teams below them to play really other than certainly <laughs> it will be a case of who can hold their nerve in this game coming up but I do want to get on to Wickham because there's a question I really want to ask Ben who who is a boxing fan as well and and I was looking at the table Ben and and the way I would conceptualize it for Wickham at this point is Wickham have got themselves into a position whereby like a boxer in the final round they have to go for the knockout now because yeah. their goal difference won't be enough to get them into the playoffs if they end up level on points with one of the competitors so they really need someone to drop points and they have to take advantage of games like this one on Saturday yeah I mean like you said Wickham are behind on points and they do need that big finish they need a big knockout in the last you know seven or six or seven games I, I think I, I was concerned about the break and I still am you know I, the last time Wickham had a break of this of this nature we didn't come back well it took us two or three games and, and like I said we, Wickham don't have that time they've got to hit the ground running hopefully it's given people like Gareth McCleary the chance to rest his legs he's looked a little bit leggy in recent weeks but yeah it's going to be a huge game Doncaster are there for the taking we know they're a poor side uh, the atmosphere is going to be brilliant it's, you know, it's a big special occasion they're, they're celebrating Adi, Adibeo Akinfema's career obviously he's retired at the end of the season but been in, being a former Doncaster player they're sort of they picked this game as a suitable one mm. to celebrate his career so there's going to be a lot of emotional feeling about the club. For every club in the football. He's played for every yeah. could have been they, any game. They could have picked several games <laughs> yeah. this season. But no, Doncaster was one he, he particularly is fond of. So yeah, it's going to be a huge game. It should be a big crowd. I'm expecting a good atmosphere. The atmosphere hasn't been brilliant in recent weeks, but I'm expecting the fans to come back mm. thirsty for a game of football, yeah. having missed out. And yeah, expecting three points. They'll, 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 all be, they'll all come back all chilled and zen, won't they? Because yeah. you know, no stress of 90th minute goals. No, for no. I'm, just, I'm just curious to ask though, I mean, how many do you think you have to win? of that last seven to get in the playoffs bearing in mind that two of those games which are really really important to mention you've got Cambridge United then Gillingham both those games are away from home but you then in the final four games will face Plymouth Argyle and Sheffield Wednesday both of whom are above you in the table at this time Plymouth are in fourth and, and kind of out of reach but Sheffield Wednesday are currently occupying that final sixth spot so so Plymouth and Oxford have the worst runnings out of, this, out of the teams I think Plymouth have an incredibly hard running Oxford have a difficult running Wickham, you can't complain with the running, okay? You're going to play someone in the top 10. It's going to happen, isn't it? I think they have to win at least five. And that's, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But ultimately, like you said, Ed, they don't have the goal difference. They're not going to have the goal difference. So they have to get ahead on but, points. But you do not have to get, you're like, that's it though, six points against, so that, that, that game against Sheffield Wednesday essentially is a six points. Oh, so you have to win. They have to go into every single game from now to the end of the season expecting to win you can't take a point against Plymouth it may not be enough mm. you know against Sheffield Wednesday we, we may have won the game before you can't go in with a mentality we'll take a point we'll win the, we, we have to win every game we'll have that mentality to win so no, I, I've said Wickham can probably afford one defeat out of the next seven realistically if they win the other spot depends who too doesn't it that's the yeah. thing yeah that's that's the thing I mean it's, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting run in I'm going to ask you now Ben you did it for England are Wickham going to get in the playoffs 
I think they can. I, no, well, it's, a very, it's very much on the fence answer. I just think the pro- splinters in your backside. Yeah, the, the, the problem I've got is is this break. I'm really unsure of what we're, How you can, we're going to, to see. If they come out of the traps flying on Saturday, I think we'll get in the playoffs. I think there's going to be enough there. But if we struggle, well, I, I, we can't afford a, a defeat. Just one last one. I mean, there's a dichotomy, isn't there? Because on the one hand, you're playing Doncaster, a 23rd in the league. Even the local press in Doncaster say they're now going down without a fight. And yet at the same time, it, it is actually possible. If you look at the bottom of that table, they're 23rd on 30 points. To get out of the relegation zone, they're only three or four points away. So... Ultimately, as I've said in this show a couple of times before, in a relegation battle, it's often the, the side who manages to land a glove on a team that you wouldn't really expect them to that actually kind of are able to get over the line. So so they can't be underestimated. Is it a good thing to be playing them or is it a bad team? I suppose, in a sense, you, you would pick to play a team who were 23rd rather than a team who were sort of 7th or, or 6th, presumably, in your first game back after that break. Or yeah, would you? Yeah, no, I think if you had the option, you'd pick the team in 23rd. However, if I was given the best option, I'd pick the team in 14th. <laughs> you know? <laughs> At the end of the day, Doncaster have actually been a very good League One side for a long time, and I'm incredibly surprised that they found themselves at the bottom of the. They've been in and around the playoffs for quite a few years. Yeah, they they have, and they've so they've clearly got some good players. They haven't sold all their players. I know they've got a good youth system there. It's going to be a tough game. Ultimately, I probably see Doncaster having the same mentality as us. It's last chance saloon for them. If they win this game on the weekend, they're back in it. If they don't win and another team above them wins, it could be all over. So it's going to be a difficult game. Wickham Wanderers' last chance to learn it has a great ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, we certainly do wish all our constituent clubs the best of luck when they return to action this weekend, with some having a rest due to the international break. That's all we have time for with our, with our constituent clubs, though. And up next, it's time for some offside opinions. The Football Show on River Radio. This is Extra Time. Welcome back. You're listening to Extra Time. We're fast approaching full time here on River Radio. Before that, though, we must, of course, tackle our regular feature, Offside Opinions. Now, for those who are familiar with the show, will know that it sees one of us or one of our panellists put forward an opinion that goes against the footballing grain, and then it's up to them to justify it whilst under fire from the rest of the panel. I'm going to try something a little bit different this week, following on from Ed's incredible uh, sort of conspiracy theories around football last year. some real crackers I, in there, I'm, st- I'm still not convinced Burnley have an awake here, even now. <laughs> Um, so it's a, it, it should be an interesting one. Um, we, we were speaking a little bit off air beforehand, weren't we, chaps? A little bit about um, sort of things we hate about the modern day game, and and they might be completely irrational. They may they may not be fair, but just things that we don't like. I've I found a list online as well, so we don't have to take full scale hatreds retrospectively <laughs> for this. Um, but uh, but we'll, we'll start off. I've just I just having having a little bit of a flick through. This is the. I'm going to go right in. Very tough. Okay. What you got? Kids who hold up shirt size. <laughs> yes. Yes. For shirts. Thought, and this is the thing I've always wondered. And it's a really boring mundane question. How do they? Are people on the door just being like, yeah, in you go. <laughs> yeah, That's fine. Be, no, but do you know what and I mean? And they never. And the, the one that winds me up is when they run on the shirt, run on the pitch to get the shirt. Mm. But if I do that, I'm banned for five years. Well, the worst bit is, is, is when you see the dad on Twitter the next day saying, James Madison's a disgrace because you didn't give my son your shirt. <laughs> it's, it's a curious one, isn't it? And, you know, it's. 
it's I think on the if you were a comedian but everyone wanting something for nothing um <laughs> listen there is there, there have been some great stories about I mean what I'm enjoying is, is seeing is seeing some of the viral clips of, of people stopping and having a chat with somebody who's say disabled there was mm. one recently of Jack Grealish talking yeah. to a little girl David Beckham, David Beckham, Beckham as well, as well yeah. you know those sorts of things are really heartwarming to see um but I think there's a culture of that happening now isn't there in terms of the shirt signs you do seem to see them all the time I mean I don't know how long it is before they're integrating into like FIFA <laughs> where, where, where you start you know like the crowds increasingly got more and more realistic and the charts have become like legit for individual clubs how long is it before you start seeing kids with cardboard signs yeah now I'm going to throw a, a, a bit of a grenade into the conversation with something with the, I know it's my problem I know it is okay but I'm just on the kids doing things at football matches that you don't like tip I'm going to throw one out there and I don't understand why I don't like it uh, other than the fact I reflect on my own childhood and I never did it and I never thought to do it either. I have got a bit of a bee in my body about kids who I see outside the ground in full kit, irrespective of the weather as well. So, I mean, I, I went to a, a few games sort of over the winter period and I saw kids there in T-shirts, shorts and socks and there can be only be about five. And I think it's no you know... I just don't. I, I no. think the thing I don't. It's I a don't. Bit, it's a get bit it. I, don't, I never understood it. Do you know? What I mean, I don't, you're not cold for yeah, one, but yeah. also it, I, it's always been something. And, and like I say, I mean, it's totally, what, I, totally, totally my problem. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's an not the views of River Radio. It's an expression of support that I never did as a child myself. But I'd be really interested to hear in, in, in what you I, guys have got. Do you know what? I, I think Mum and Dad have got to step in there. I'll be completely honest. I did it. And I'm not proud of it. Um, and I but wish you, I could you, turn you back to it. You've done it in your 20s. I mean, there's yeah. a whole different... You're the sort of, with the respect, you're the sort of person who, you know when you see a viral clip of someone whose mates for his stag party yeah. have bought a mascot package <laughs> and he has to go out holding the yeah, hand of the yeah. captain who is clearly older than himself. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be so... Sure, stag they ruined. <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly the sort of person I'd see and be like, yeah, fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really argue that. Do you know, I, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's so important that, that we get sort of the younger generation enjoying the game in the same way that we do but just stop wearing full kits and stop taking the signs that's for parents as much as the kids I think. Um, that, that's just 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 our I love how so I love cool. how River Rage has got the answer yeah. clearly extra time's got the answer and as I say to be clear that is my problem I don't know why I don't like it but I've never I never happened people have said if you had a kid would you stop yes yes I would I probably I think I probably would be like we're not we're not doing full kits of a game because you're not going to play yeah yeah I think I think that's I think that's a very fair answer. I just seen another one as well and this is one that really bugs me but uh, it might be there's, there's ways of spinning it that I guess I, I guess people who could I guess what I understand why people do it, I should say sorry people who will will be at a game and you see them recording it as they're watching it there was that famous picture wasn't there of a Norwich fan recording Cristiano Ronaldo's <laughs> yeah. celebration when he just scored a penalty Against Norwich played really well to kind of stay in the game in about 75 minutes he was there in the crowd everyone was obviously the thing I don't like is, is you're where, there. where people score against you and then there are fans around you sort of so, flicking so, V signs and this sort of thing as if as if you, because if he didn't turn up and try and score for his team there wouldn't be a game of football being played yeah. with there so it yeah. never makes sense to me but that, that picture yeah in the crowd was is one that I think will sort of long you know Living be, memory, be yeah. one that is kind of back to you know when phones killed a generation <laughs> yeah. well they've, they've actually started clamping down a bit haven't they on the, on the recording of games yeah you're not allowed you used to, to get a lot of YouTubers you know record match highlights get the crowd but you're not physically allowed to do it you now you'll get a, on you, yeah you'll get yeah. a steward, come, steward coming over and saying no you can't do that so I think that's a good thing but I mean we've all recorded penalties haven't we 
I don't. Oh, I I've recorded. I haven't genuinely. I've recorded no. the penalty. Okay. I'll, yeah, you I'll put my problem. hands up. I'll you put my hands up. I've, I've recorded. recorded I've recorded the Joe Jacobson. It's like an honesty hour. I've never done anything that would offend anyone at a football match anywhere. This is this is a really interesting one I've seen, and this is very much on the list. Just before we run out, I'm just generally curious to get your thoughts on this. So the idea of the minute silence, which isn't the problem, by the way, all for paying respect to people and all that sort of thing. The idea of a minute's applause instead of a minute silence being a bit of a weird thing I've never had a I've never had a problem with that I think there have been times where actually it's it's almost been befitting because when it's you know a player of of legendary occult status who's maybe passed away in in old age or something like that it is the recreation it is the final goodbye to that person you know uh, and they're chanting the name of the you know from the terraces and stuff I actually think in a sense that's more fitting to a degree but I think it it, you know it kind of depends on 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 what the individual's family wants that sort of thing I think things like that I've, I've never I've never you know kind of cast any sort of doubt in my mind yeah i think there's a time and a place for the minute silence yeah when you did the remembrance weekend it it always seems to have a greater effect then and there are also you know and when things have happened over the course of years, things like 9 11 and so on and so forth there's been minutes more appropriate because we're all kind of united in that but i think there are certain instances like i say you know it's the passing of someone like george best or or whatever where that's the send-off that football can and in a way almost should give it makes it feel like almost more of a celebration yeah, and that's what I just preface by saying I've read that off the list. That's not my. I, I quite like it when it's applause as well. So we're agreed on one, which is the main thing. Um, Probably time for one more. What yeah, we got? one one really quick one. Then uh, I quite like this one. Players covering their mouths when talking. Oh, what you're saying cannot be that important, especially when you're talking to the opposition. Annoys me so much. The thing is that I saw something recently. I think it was on Instagram or whatever, and it was like a collection of parents saying what they'd seen their kids do in football matches on like a Sunday no. morning, right? And I swear, one of them was covering their mouths to talk to each other irrespective oh. of the fact that cameras there's no camera oh, strain on wow. them whatsoever others and I promise you these are true included putting your hand up for a corner when you know there's no corner drill there's no corner drill and yet people putting their hand up or whatever I remember that. once when I was playing in, in Wickham I was playing down at the Rye in Wickham and I was in a collision with a player for a team called Downley Dynamos and he had to be stretched off and I went over afterwards just to check that he was okay it was a complete accident on both of our parts I went over and and I was only about 15 and I promise you this is true and it's so embarrassing I went over and I said I just wanted to check you were right I'm really sorry that that happened and they were like oh no it's fine thanks very much and as I was as I was leaving I heard one of the parents go oh wasn't that nice and I can't believe I did this but I actually put my hands above my head and clapped as if I was <laughs> as if I was clapping the fans and yet oh, all it wow. was basically the parents were distributed either one half of the pitch or the other and, and, and probably you know it was only about you know 15 yards or so, and it's just it's so embarrassing look we've all wow. we've all done what, things what? Will's waterfall yeah. kit to a game Ben's recorded a penalty and I've done that and there we are River Radio extra time solving the wrongs of football since, <laughs> since time there is, there is no better way I could think to end that.